Welcome to the Syrian Sisters podcast. In this first episode, we talk about uh, recent current events in Syria and the recent uh, attempts to hold war criminals accountable. We bring in our ancestral wisdom, the goddesses, our dreams, and some beautiful vicars uh, chanting practices about the divine names of God that have to do with forgiveness and how we can use these practices to help us embody the kinds of divine forgiveness we need for these truly transformative and restorative processes in our homeland and here um, in diaspora. So we hope you enjoy and please um, pardon us for the sound quality. Um, It's our first episode. Welcome. Hey, bro. Wait, is it on? <laughs> um, let me see. I just think the ancestors want me to get my altar together, so I'm just doing that real quick. And they specifically um, requested that we properly prepare. Can be done kibbe because there were two varieties of kibbe: regular kibbe and dipsreman. And they were like laban binana umchalad. And I was oh. like, okay, guys, <laughs> if you say so. So, Bismillah, I'm going to make my offering really quick right now. They're like, Yalla, you're on air. Enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, thank you, ancestors. We want to um, start this podcast in a good way and honor them and start um, with their blessing, which is what they gave us today, which is why we're doing this. <laughs> which, just so we're clear, terrifies me. <laughs> I really wasn't ready and I really didn't want to, but everyone, I've they've been telling us for a long time to do this. So, welcome outside world to me and, are we saying our name? Yeah, well, actually, I wasn't sure. Like, what okay, you? what's our code name? Do you want to choose goddess names for us? Oh my god, let's, okay, let's do some quick bibliomancy, the ancient mirrors of womanhood, Merlin Stone, where are you? Okay, I'm gonna open it. Oh, interesting, I got the Roman shrines of Diana. Oh, but do you want, do you want to be <laughs> Diana? I really don't, but then it's a white literally name. right below it, it was like, Lath. Elas a lot. I honestly think it's sacrilegious to do goddess names. Okay. What about if I was? I don't know. We'll think about that later, bro. Because I have so many alter ego names I could pick. Okay, yeah, we'll think on that and come back to it. How do we want to introduce ourselves? Well, I was thinking we could kind of just flow with like what we want to share on this podcast. Mm. Um, you don't want to say a couple things about who we are. Oh, yeah, I think that's a good idea, too. Okay. 
Well, as the eldest, I can begin. <laughs> Elders first. <laughs> um. Oh, I can do it in this cute way my friend um, Adam taught me. So one thing that um, you and I have in common, uh, besides being siblings, is that we grew up in the South, and we are both artists and (laughs) (laughs) creative. And Geminis. Gems. And Geminis. Um, We're... Our family is Syrian. And then one thing that I like about you is that um, you have this deep connection to the ancestors and you've always honored that and trusted that connection. And you're maybe like one of the people in my life who I whose divine connection to the ancestors I really trust and honor and follow so let's see the third question is one thing you don't know about me which is a weird one for my siblings i know everything about you (laughs) i think i don't um one thing you don't know about me oh is that i finally came around to kale did i tell you that (laughs) oh thank the lord i'm so glad (laughs) okay so you can go next so some things we have in common um that I didn't mention a thing you like about me and a thing I don't know about you okay (sighs) let's see things we have in common um we our souls were born from the bottom of the ocean about (laughs) 4,000 years ago um you came with me we spent time together in that earliest formation and I'm just so lucky to have you in this iteration and we've both lived in New Jersey, Abu Dhabi, and the South. Um, <laughs> I like how you have this way of speaking the truth and having a sense of like authority, even at a young age, that I deeply respect and admire. <laughs> where. You can just carry, you remind me of so many of our ancestor women where you have this deep power within you and you have this way of embodying your name of becoming harmony, but also not ever normalizing. And that's some, that's a really gift, like a gifted skill that you have that um, is going to be used in the future for like reconciling. Well, I believe, well, okay, something I want to talk about today, but restorative justice in <laughs> Surya, that there mm. are some just really important um, gifts that you have. You're visionary, you have faith, and you're really, like, practical also, and you just know and you have the insight and the wisdom and the resonance in your voice and the knowledge that you know too because sometimes people know but they don't trust it and then they can't use it for good in this world and you gave me way more things than I got to say about you let me no, ask them about you no 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 I don't what I like to. about you it's okay <laughs> is also how much you have always like a like been an embodiment of Venusian sort of like pleasure and 
creativity and just like sensual delight and joy and imagination like you're such a dream goddess like queen princess like I just all of your childhood photos are like you lounged in a like a dress you draped out of scarves <laughs> on a bed of flowers. <laughs> You've always had that romantic Venus energy and it's so beautiful to witness in you. Oh, thanks, sis. You're the queen. Yeah. Truly, truly. Um, the OG queen. Um, you're the Zenobia, you know? Okay, but one thing I don't know about you. Well, um, you know literally everything about me. Um, I can't. Well, how about I talk about my fears for this podcast? So we can just get that out of the way. Sure. I'm afraid that, um, A, I'm afraid that us sharing in our wholeness will like I I have this fear of being overexposed and I feel really protective of you and I feel protective of our story and who we are the second one is Mm -hmm. that I'll say something incriminating and then almost get kidnapped (laughs) by the Syrian regime for 50 million (laughs) dollars because that's what happened the last time I had a YouTube um presence you know, so this is a true story about my sibling at 16, <laughs> which we'll, we'll get to later. But also, I do know that the truth is liberating and that we're allowed to be whole. For example, today I ordered my very first belly dancing outfit. So, after a lifetime of working through like not being allowed to wear clothes like that or having a space for that or like even if I took a picture of myself I would be terrified that somebody would find it or whatever you know what I'm saying or that someone would criticize it and say I was being self-orientalist even though literally white people take that from us all the time so well just to go back to your fears I just want to say they're welcome here we appreciate what they're warning us about and we will honor them and and also um call on the support of the ancestors who have taught us how to speak in the face of fear like i wanted to name hala salakat and um uh raid fedwa suleiman islam the best these are people of the Syrian Revolution. And Riyadh Matar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of these people, specific folks, have come to both of us and really clearly told us that we need to get over ourselves and just speak um, in their in the honor of their memory. Yeah. <laughs> so, we oh my God. lovingly remember you and take your encouragement seriously and that's why we're sharing yeah I was thinking about that on the drive here actually like just thinking about our our future generation of people that we mother and play important roles in in their lives like I would never want them to feel like they can't share or that they feel guilty Mm. nothing in my life I would never want that for the future generation. And our ancestors mm. are just like, please, God, like, 
<laughs> you know do you want to just take a second to breathe and like um be in that intention that you shared um for a second together and invite people to do that yeah too. yeah that's a great idea so just take a second to come into full presence and ask that what we share today be of benefit and be heard by the people who need to hear it and may we speak beauty and truth and remember why we're here taking a second to connect to that for you whatever that may be as you listen to this My ancestors want to share that these are two oracle women and their medium is dreams, but that's one of many mediums that we share messages of the divine through. And our job in sharing them is to inspire you to share yours so that we can weave them together into the vision that we are bringing into form that the universe wants us to bring into form of liberation of harmony of interdependence and of beauty yeah cool so Armin, Ashe, Aho. <laughs> amen i love that <laughs> wow so no offense but our podcast is a taurus <laughs> i have some feelings about that I don't know. It's Listen, okay. I'm getting to love the Tauruses in my life. Choose how to be sensual and like really, really yeah. earthy, grounded. Yeah. So um, I was thinking that I could share about um, Ninhursag and Enki and how it connects to restorative justice and events that happened in Syria this week. And then maybe you could share about 99 names and we could do a dream share at the end. That sounds great. Oh, frick. I wanted to share a poem. Do it. Um, It starts with a quote from Daughters of the Dust. Those old people who pray to the sun, who pray to the moon, or sometimes a star. I want my my daughters to be somebody. That's what Nana Bizant says in Daughters of the Dust, one of my favorite movies. During the time of corona, pockets of us in the south began to howl at the moon every night at 8 p.m. Daughters, it was a strange time. People were overwhelmed, but their creativity came alive. People began to plant seeds and return to earth. Remember that a few years ago, our people hid in tunnels while the regime gassed them above. Remember mothers and children crouched and held each other while starving for food and the regime gassed their tunnels with people inside from Ghulta all over the countryside of Damascus where we are from. I want you to remember daughters in this settler country they stole and called America they put children in detention camps and prisons with little to eat and drink and call it a free country. Empty planes fly in the sky. During the time of corona people remembered. During this time, the communities in the South 
began to howl at the moon, and the sound of our voices reverberated against each other and created a cascade of sparks that flew throughout the town, protecting everything in its path. A Syrian mermaid from space, miles away from her original home, returned to the shore with her voice and was rebirthed under the stars. She gave birth to herself among the ants and the little blue flowers. She didn't bleed at first, but then she bled rivers into the soil, and all the soft animal-bodied humans came to see. Uh, so, I channeled that because I was called this week to look up the myth Enki and Ninhursag, and it's from the year 2144 BCE, around the region of Lagash, Iraq. This week was really historic for Syrians. A Syrian human rights lawyer named Enwar al-Bunni is helping make possible this trial that is holding Assad regime members of Branch 251 of the Syrian Military Intelligence Service in Damascus be held accountable for torture and um they're being investigated for at least 4,000 cases of torture, 58 deaths, and two cases of rape and sexual assault between April 2011 and September 2012. And the goal is to get those, those members of the regime who oversaw, those senior military officials who oversaw that torture, uh, just be held accountable in a court of law under the principle of universal jurisdiction. And it's, it's basically the world's first um, trial on torture in Syria, finally. And it was really controversial. Um, like, my dad was kind of talking with me about it, and he was like, why did he pick this particular official who actually defected and had decided to flee Syria because he no longer wanted to be affiliated with the regime and he put his family and his life at risk to do that so Baba kind of brought up like you know all these other people like Rifat al-Assad who is single-handedly basically responsible for overseeing so much brutality in Tedmur he's like living in a villa somewhere right now like you know doing great and no one in the world has taken him to any court or so many people in the regime who live in Lebanon and the UAE um so why this person kind of and the question it kind of brought about these debates around like well if the guy repented then why take him to court both he and his brother who's a leftist writer and sister I'll have to get their names I can't remember right now but it all starts with a were all tortured um by the person who oversaw this branch basically like that's the person who ordered um, and all these other survivors came out. Um, and so he's being held accountable for crimes against humanity. And um, the story of Ninhursag and Enki is that Ninhursag is this mother deity, Semitic mother deity. And um, she basically is the queen of the cosmic mountains, the queen who gives birth to all. And um, Enki commits a really heinous, disgusting um, act that uh, essentially gives rise to Ninhursag giving birth to their daughter, Nanshi, who is the goddess of social justice. 
and um what happens is really triggering and horrible so i don't know if we have to like put a trigger warning but basically enki which it's interesting why this is an issue because there's a lot of incest themes in general and like these early goddess things but this one is pretty it's like the central point to this myth enki commits incest with their daughter and their youngest daughter utu who then tells her mother ninhursag who says that she needs to cleanse herself of enki's um, presence and bury it in the ground and that's how the plants spring from the earth and ninhursag banishes enki to the ends of the earth to the desert deserted uh, places he's no longer allowed in the realm of the gods and she curses him with the eye of death so he falls really ill and gets really sick and then her sag returns and she asks him where is your pain and every time he answers she takes the pain and transforms it and gives birth one by one so there are eight different parts of his body that hurt and each one becomes the eight daughters one becomes Adu, Abu, the god of plants and growth. One becomes Nintula, um, the god of copper. Um, one becomes Ninsitu, the goddess of healing. One becomes Ninkasi, the goddess of dream interpretation and beer. One becomes Nanshi, who is in the hymn of Nanshi, which is beautiful and one of these random, perfectly intact Sumerian clay tablets that only like weird, nerdy white people have on their like 2003 word art blogs for mm. some reason. In the hymn of Nanshi, it literally says in like line 20 that this woman is sent, this goddess is sent to become the protector of all refugees. And um, the shelter of the orphans, caretaker of the elderly and the ill, shelterer of the homeless, goddess of social justice. So I felt like it came, this um, goddess legend came to me this week because so much of it connects with what's going on in Corona, um, with the coronavirus. And we need Nanshi. We need that energy. She's literally protects the ill, the elderly, the the refugees. All of those people right now are are calling for her. And the fact that we have this message from five thousand years ago that is perfectly intact, it makes me wonder: like, what are the stories that we want to tell our descendants five thousand years from now? Like, if we wanted to carve into clay some of the biggest most heinous violations that have happened to us so that they have a roadmap to know what kind of transform them. Yeah. Restorative process is possible. And that like literally mutating and transforming and taking that pain and she curses him. And that part is important too. She holds him accountable. She leaves him deserted and away. He's not allowed to communicate with the gods he loses all status he you know and then she sees him about to die and then just that question of like okay where does it hurt and this can easily be taken like the wrong way when people kind of jump too quickly to that part you know the key is you have to have accountability and you have to have justice before you jump to that 
part where you're like, okay, let's heal and talk about this pain and stuff like that. Um, side note on Chris is one of our shared teachers, Gitanjali Hemp, <clears throat> talks about how really for those of us who are involved in magic and witchy stuff and, you know, like working with the energies that are available to us to, to really caution people against the act of cursing because when one curses, even people who, you know, may deserve it, what you're doing energetically is binding your karma to their liberation. And so in some ways, in the curse, there's the curse that you're placing on yourself to be bound up in their liberation until the day that they are able to transform their wound, you will be bound with them. So that that is interesting to me in the, in terms of the goddess story, like the she had to she had to be in his process. Mm. The curse bound her to his process to to transform it. I feel like this segues really well into the ninety nine names, too, that you were bringing. Up. Well, before we do that, just you know, that was a lot. It was a lot and to just take a moment you know if you're listening to just breathe feel a sense of any kind of nourishment that you can access in your present moment maybe the feeling of your feet on the ground or the air on your skin just finding a place in your experience that feels okay and just touching in with that for a moment and letting the story really sink in just feeding this seed like where are the places I can't imagine healing and how can I begin to tend to those places so that when they're ready transformation can begin starting in our own self Where are those places, those dark and lost places, or pale and lost places that I'm not loving, but I can begin to include in my love for myself and forgive? And then when you're ready, coming back to your usual awareness. Um, thanks for sharing that story, sis. It was really powerful. Yeah. <clears throat> I was going to talk about my, so my Ramadan intention, I'm not fasting. But um, oh, I lied this whole side to our family for you and said you were. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Why? I don't know. I just compulsively no, destroy them. <laughs> First know. of all, I'm on my period, so regardless, <laughs> I wouldn't be fasting today. <laughs> but um, there's a whole side story that I'll tell maybe one day about my inner child and how fasting really harms her. But um, I instead, I'm using this month as a sacred container for more intensive study and practice around the 99 names of God. And I'm using this amazing book called Physicians of the Heart by Wali Ali Meyer Bilal Hyde. 
Faith Lin Mukaddam and Shabda Khan. Um, it's called Positions of the Heart, a Sufi view of the 99 names of Allah. And this book is magical. Yeah. It is so deep and beautiful and multidimensional. And I haven't read a single thing in it that like landed weird um, so far. And so I wanted to talk about the div- the um, names of divine creativity, but what feels more relevant to this conversation is the suite of names about for divine forgiveness and how we can use and call on these names as almost like in the sound syllables themselves, the, this sort of medicine that can feed in our being divine qualities of forgiveness that can feel inaccessible to us sometimes when we're in deep despair or grief or pain. Um, and I think that's what the magic of vikr, of remembrance, of chanting um, divine and sacred words is. It's awakening inside of us these divine qualities that um, mm-hmm. are, we're, are moving through our body through sound. So this book uh, delineates three names in the family of divine forgiveness and they are um or three sets of names ya ghafar and ya ghafur ghafar and ghafur intawab ya afu and the the third oh wait this is four four sets of names the fourth set is ya aziz and ya muntaqim al aziz and al muntaqim and so the um I this teaching came to me before I read this book from our teacher who we named Gitanjali Hemp and um the way she described it and I've had a chance to really practice with these names at times in my life when I couldn't generate self forgiveness and they have been such a bomb um and so the first set Yaghafar and Yaghafur it's almost like a developmental progression. So this is the place of like the child who is just feels completely like, like foregone and lost and abandoned by God. And this is the place of like immense suffering, immense self-blame and judgment and pain. Like you've done such wrong and you can't imagine ever forgiving yourself or being forgiven. And I've been in this place many times and it's one of the hardest for me as someone who's like so like feels the pain of other people. Like when I know I've harmed someone, it's it can just like be excruciating mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as my family members might be able to attest. Um, and so one of the little stories I just glimpsed in the book says there's a memorable hadith where a Bedouin says to the prophet, what if I do this really bad thing? And the answer is Allah forgives. But what if I do it again and again and again? Allah continues to forgive. Then the Bedouin says, doesn't Allah ever get tired of forgiving? And the prophet says, no, but you might get tired of doing that same thing over and over again. Mm. And it's like in the place of Yaghafar and Yaghafur, it's like you just need something outside of yourself to forgive you Mm. it's the kind of wound that is like the camel skin has broken and it is the beeswax that can like fill the wound and stop the the camel skin from leaking and um, my teacher Gitanjali said like (laughs) the Arabs 
came up with these like four sets of names of divine forgiveness because in the landscape of the desert that's so unforgiving like you have to learn how to forgive each other in order to survive and so we carry this deep medicine in our lineage Mm. that is really applicable to the kinds of um, suffering that my sibling shared earlier yeah like I would not want to be trapped in a fucking tent in the middle of the sands (laughs) with someone who irritated me or did some kind of violation or (laughs) something or even someone that I hurt I would literally be like oh my god these are so relevant for quarantine can I just say as someone who's just navigated (laughs) some really intense roommate (laughs) conflict (laughs) that's so true yeah Yeah. just yeah there's so many applications so yatawab this is the so the stage of Tobe. This is when Tobe is literally means to turn. Mm. And this is the turn away from your perceived defects to face the divine. Mm. Like an Yagafar Yagafur, you're just sort of like in this state of surrender and inaccessibility. Like the divine feels far away. At Yatawab, you've been able to sort of nourish or resource yourself enough to turn towards the divine Mm. and um it's maybe so if yagafuri yagafar is the child this is maybe like the the young adult or the teenager um Mm. and what do i want to say about so i think i'm going to move to yeah and then hit the web on the way back <laughs> Yafu is the kind of forgiveness that is described as the forgiveness that like a mother gives to the infant who bites her nipple <laughs> it's just like that free flowing of course I forgive you my child you know like mm. it's that quality of the forgiveness already forgiven like the footsteps fading from the sand that kind of just gentle Mm. nurturing nourishing complete forgiveness and the last one yeah i would say are the hardest for me to describe because (laughs) in aziz is in aziz you know aziz is like beloved and it's like sort of refined and graceful and beautiful and it's the great leveler Mm. it is the like karmic force of god that raises and falls civilizations Mm. it is like kali force like it seems destructive and yet it is so merciful but it is so vast that we it's so hard to understand it is like magnificent leveler the ultimate force of reciprocity and um bringing down (laughs) like i don't want to put it gently like it is to cut down um and so it's it has to it can have this quality of mercy Mm. it has this quality of mercy to me and so these two names balance each other they're sort of like they encompass the wholeness 
of God, the beloved, the dear, and the balancer and leveler of all. And this one is like, yeah, (laughs) this form of forgiveness. I just want to read from the book because the what these names can heal in us is this is that sort of nagging wound of deficiency that many of us carry, especially like daughters, especially daughters in diaspora, you know, especially queer people. Mm. Um, That feeling of not enoughness, of not being seen, Mm. of not being loved. And so the Yagafar Yagafur, like that one is that sort of parental Mm. love. It fills that family wound. Yeah, Tawab is like once that level has been filled, it's like, okay, so now I get it. Like I am loved, but why doesn't, why don't I feel like, why do I feel like God still rejected Mm. me? Why do I feel separate from God? And it's that turning towards God. And then with the other ones, it's like, with Ya'afu, it's like, it's like you're like, my Arabic sucks. I can't make it. I'm gay. No one's ever gonna, (laughs) my people reject me. (laughs) I'm born isolated from them. No one is going to take me seriously. I have no real identity. I'm displaced. And then I'm not beautiful. No one understands me or sees me. I don't feel. And then it's like, then you find like, say you find like gay queers from the region um on Mm -hmm. the internet or something and then the next level is like you found these people you found your soul community but you still are like not whole in yourself and you're still in a state where you don't fully you can't ever fill that hole from not having that affirmation early on yeah, I want to just say about Yahafu reading straight from the book because I just love what they have to say about it. But um, that stage of Yahafu is when there's no more the distinction of lover and beloved. That thin barrier is removed mm-hmm. and it's a very thin veil. To get there, you often have to go through this dark night of the soul when the like wound inside is all you can feel and you're just in your shame Mm. and that's when you know you're actually making progress in your wound because you're you're finally like feeling that Mm. you know that separation that you know should not be the case and so the question in the book that they say comes up at this period is what have I done then to make God turn away from me what happened between me and God that God turned away and through the chanting of Ya'afu and then Ya'aziz and Ya'muntaqim you realize that in actuality it was you who turned away God didn't turn away and that's when you can make the full turn of the heart and that's when you repent from repenting Mm. you repent from your own action of creating duality in the process of repentance the duality is resolved, and that's the realization of the Lafu. Mm, so, it's like let's it's chant. like when Simba goes to California and becomes vegan, and he is like in his shame. He's ashamed, <laughs> and he doesn't want to go back to his people because Scar is always playing in his head about like you did this. It's your fault, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he he had to have that process in order to return and, yeah, to his people and. Rafiq, what's his name? The bamboo. Rafiki. Bam- <laughs> Amorafiki. <laughs> Amorafiki is like 
um, is just staring at him in the distance, like knowing that he's going to be okay mm. and that he's going to find himself again. That's like all of these mm. names. And that's, that's why I chant them in Dikr and mm. remember, remember that. Um, so let's chant them and just feel the quality of them directly. And um, you can chant them by yourself when in need and they are a beautiful balm. So what I do is I just come into present awareness, connecting to a sense of resource, of ease, of nourishment in my system or outside of me. I feel it right now kind of like above me and the stars might be inside you or below you in the earth or around you. close with a with can I do a quick dream share yeah so I feel like this relates I had this dream finally the ancestors were like thank god your whole life we've been wanting you to get into belly dancing 
And in the dream, I was in this beautiful cafe community belly dancing center with all kinds of women of color from around the world. And I was sitting at this cafe and people were wearing masks for coronavirus. And this older, elder Mayan woman, indigenous Mayan woman takes her mask off and she looks straight at me at the other table and she's like, it's time for you to work relationally. And I'm like, what? She's like, you're going to go take your belly dancing class with a child. And I'm like, okay, sure. And so we get to the <laughs> class and the room is like the room and I dream of Jeannie, like the inside of the bottle. It's so cute. And there's all these like draped velvet, beautiful things everywhere. And the girl is 12. She kind of looks like me, but a little bit different. And I'm like, huh, I don't know who she is. But we dance and we dance and we have so much fun. And it's amazing. And at the end of the dream, my friend and I asked the girl, like, where are you from? And she says, I'm from the town in the south where we're from. <laughs> and we are like, what? <laughs> and... We're like, where did you go? Like, I'm like, are you me? Are you what? And she just kind of smiles with this wisdom. And she's like, duh, don't you get it? Like, I'm the future. <laughs> I'm your future. I'm your future daughter or your future person that you help raise and become. And the fact that you did this work around liberating yourself and tapping into your desires and moving past and through the guilt and the body shame and the you know, all these things growing up uh, in our particular, like, with all the Muslim stuff and all the different things with our family. And, you know, not saying that that's every Muslim girl's experience, but, like, the fact that mm -hmm. you worked through that and you finally embraced your dancing dream um, is making me free. <laughs> So thank you for that. And you've forgiven. It is. It has to do with forgiveness because I had to forgive myself for, you know, so many of these things are like about restricting myself or silencing myself or thinking that it's dumb or that I can't or that I'm not going to be a good X, Y, Z if I, if I let loose the strength of my desire. But it keeps coming to me that that's, mm. that's the mes message of Ishtar. She's like, bitch, just you like it's like tonight the muntaqim it was pouring down rain there's like a huge tornado warning and there's lightning everywhere mm. and it's just the surrender to these kinds of forces that will completely level you until you're you're left with nothing but yourself and you can you can see through all of those things that were clouding your vision and they kind of had to be in order for you to get to this place. Hmm. Thank you for this beautiful dream that you shared and for this really sweet um, conversation and teaching and reflection and channeling. So I really appreciate you. Shukran. Love you so much. Ah, shukran, sis. Love you. Really hey.